who's reporting on what's happening in Palestine right now. The world needs to know that this is a war against children. There are now over 3,200 Palestinian children killed and 7,000 wounded. These wounded children will have a lifetime of reconstructive surgery ahead of them if they survive. There needs to be a ceasefire now and a humanitarian corridor so that these wounded can be um, taken out and treated and, and there needs to be supplies at the hospitals. But most importantly, there needs to be a ceasefire now. What gives me hope um, in the midst of all of this injustice is, is, is the acts of incredible solidarity between people and the acts of great love that people show towards their family and their loved ones. And you really realize, you know, love is what cures this world of, of the evil that is being perpetrated. Ceasefire now. You'll find some resources in the notes. Thank you. It's, it's poems and whiskey again tonight with me i have uh tom now i've fucked up so many people's names i'm gonna fuck up yours too it's snarsky beautifully done yes i was staying here right? if i could take my first <laughs> of the evening but yes exactly spot on no notes beautiful pronunciation. <laughs> oh fantastic all right so tom tell people who you are what you do Sure. Yeah. So I'm uh, coming to you live from the mountains of northwesternish <laughs> Virginia, where my wife and I live. Um, I've been here for a couple of years. I grew up in uh, Massachusetts. You can hear Basil, my cat, in the background. I told you about him, but our listeners will now know yeah. that he's gonna, you know, make sure I get everything on the record. No crap. Ba- Basil. Basil is. Yeah, Basil's our our uh, second guest for the evening. Yeah, he's the real guest. I'm just I'm simply the mouthpiece. <laughs> But yeah, Basil's, Basil's actually lived here longer than me, so that's it's appropriate because he's been here for most of his, I think, 15 years, 14, 15 years, maybe more than that now. Um, and I've been here Holy since crap. like 2021. He's yeah, he's, he's the old, he's the uh, resident old man, bless him. But yeah, I've, I've been in Virginia for a couple years now. Um, before that, I was in Massachusetts where I grew up and went to school and taught for a little while. And then I taught for a little bit down here, and now I work uh, for a curriculum company remotely and do the poem stuff. So that's that's been my gig ah. for the last year or so. Um, I like it a lot. It's very it's very flexible. You have to get better internet than I have. I've learned to uh, do that kind of thing, so I'm still <laughs> learning, but otherwise doing well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just to let people know now, where where can they find your stuff for the most part? Sure. I'm, uh, Where can they find you online? Yeah, I live maybe too much on the, the socials. So like Twitter, uh, I'm still at Tom Snarsky there and Instagram, which uh, has been very yeah. interesting because I, I got to Instagram a lot later and it's a very different vibe than a place like Twitter. And I just got on Blue Sky, which I think it you're is. on. You're on Blue Sky, right? 
I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I haven't no. gotten a code yet. Oh well, and I'll send I'm, you. I'm barely. Oh, please do. Let yeah. me let me see how much I can ignore my blue sky. Exactly. Um, as much as I ignore my other social media. The virtue of but yeah, I would appreciate one. Thank you. Sure. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very fun because like you know you can be the first person at least as far as I know because I don't like know how to search on there. But it's like fun to be the first person who's like posted <laughs> work by a particular poet on there. I'm like, oh, this is. They didn't volunteer oh, for this. That's this cool. is their like blue sky debut, whether they want it or not. You know, here's their, their shit on blue sky. Oh, I've I've been kind of more or less avoiding Twitter. I'll look for like two seconds and then leave. It's uh, it's getting a lot, getting a lot. I I wanted to maybe observe what was happening for a while, just like kind of an academic interest, and now <laughs> yeah. it's it's getting really sociological uh, interest yeah in twitter and how it works yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't i don't think i'm going to be there for too much longer it's it's scary yeah the timeline as an idea makes me think of because like i don't understand you know i work with computers a lot so i should know them better than i do but i the way i understand computing is like you know when a processor is doing stuff like for example rendering your screen it's like picking up little pieces of everything and when it passes through it picks up like a little piece of one thing a little piece of another thing a little piece of another thing it doesn't like do one thing fully at a time and i feel like you're like when you're experiencing the timeline you're kind of cognizing things in that same way like you're getting just these little shards and they do feel like shards sometimes because they're sometimes very pointed and and rhetorically very you know (laughs) punch in the face um but it's very like it does something really interesting to your way of like perceiving the world you know it like i I, like feel like it makes it Mm -hmm. harder for me to like do sustained tasks sometimes and that's probably not the healthiest Mm. thing on the planet but you know all of us are dealing with our yeah attention <laughs> yeah. I you know, for the most part I like the um uh see I was gonna say I really like the the poetry community on Instagram, but it's kind of strange. It's thin. Like uh like there's a lot of us, but it's 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 also not very well connected. And mm-hmm. anything that tries to to jump in and be like a um connector sort of like group or community or whatever that they can make in the, the things now. Um just doesn't get any traction like even threads is still struggling as a option and it's just mm, i don't know right yeah i think i think it's very true that like the the bonds of community feel a lot more tenuous um and like i I say that as somebody who really you know has benefited from and greatly appreciates online like literature communities like i've met so many awesome writers through like Twitter and Instagram and yeah. through like the reading series that we've done like in one guys yeah. for a few years as performance anxiety and recently again as nightlight and like just the way that you meet writers there is so great and freeing and you can like meet people who are all over the planet but also you know somebody like I've had that really I'm sure you maybe you've had this feeling too where like somebody has like dropped out of the conversation for a while and then they'll like tweet like oh I'm back I, I'm sorry and I was just like oh my gosh you know like I didn't I didn't register that and I didn't was even like, realize yeah and yeah, you feel like, like they, shit they were, but they, you're they also left. like oh no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's totally true because I'm it's like terrible. you're getting these little pieces yeah and I you feel it, like there's a yeah. weird guilt yeah. associated with it but it's partially because again those like bonds of community aren't there in the same way yes like the, the whole reason i um 
like even started coming back to social media because I was gone three years ago. Uh, I had I I dropped fucking everything, um, and then I came back because of like needing community, and so I felt it's it's been great, but also the limits are very clear. <laughs> right. Awkward segue. <laughs> More time to drink water. That's um, what. Oh. See, I I don't have water. I just have beer and whiskey. I'm um, healthy. <laughs> Great. Good choices. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got the trifecta. I've got I mean, coffee, I whiskey, and water. Choices. Yeah, that, that's what I'm ready. Oh, for hey, hey, that's good. That's good. Uh, I almost made uh, hot chocolate with some whiskey, but Ooh. I changed my mind at the last that second. Been yeah, yeah, that's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen this winter. Um, <clears throat> So why did you get into poetry? Why poetry? How did you get here? What about it versus any other sort of writing? Like, why? It's such a it's such a strange thing for people to get into. Seems like there's a lot of us, but it's a little bizarre. So. <laughs> right. No, totally. Right. Okay. Yeah, it was. it's funny you asked that because I, I was just thinking recently we were talking, like I was talking in a meeting with some people about like things that made us feel really nostalgic. And one of the things that came up for me was, uh, have you ever seen the great illustrated classics books? They have like the white covers with the red type and they're like, you know, all these classic novels, but every other page is like an illustration. Yes. So it's like kind of, yeah, so you've seen these. Yes, 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 yes. And so like for me, that was like, those are so nostalgic because that was sort of my way into like reading when I was a kid was like reading mostly novels. Um, and that was true, like probably through, I'd say like high school and early college is like reading lots of novels. And it, I didn't really think that I was going to do anything with writing, but like, I think if I had thought about writing at that point, I would have thought you write novels. Like that's, that's what writers do. Um, but then yeah, I, I was, I was really lucky and I know that not everybody has a, a great educational experience and it can be very variable, but like I had a, a couple of really great teachers in high school. Some were English teachers and one was a, a French teacher and she in particular uh, she like had done her PhD. She had like done lots of work and like took literature really seriously, which is something I didn't really like know you could do. I thought, you know, reading was something you did for fun. And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, and yeah. yeah, I definitely remembered reading like poems in that, in like her class and then later in other classes and just like sort of being struck a in the poems that I read in school, but then B like later in, in college and I was reading a lot more like contemporary poets that like poets really just don't don't give much of a fuck at all in terms of like the convention like when you're talking about like Baudelaire and the prose poem or you're talking about like contemporary poets doing whatever they want with form and like not really yeah. caring if things cohere all the time. And I was just like kind of blown away because I, I think with like novels, I had come to expect that like literature had to be this like deeply finely wrought thing. Like, cause that's what I think like reading mm, classics yeah. like makes you think or like what certain ways of educationally presenting literature makes you think. And then like, you'll read a poem that's just like, Right. Wa Win has this great poem called uh, Write Fucked Up Poems. And like you read a fucked up poem and you're like, wow, oh, like you can really, Get yeah. some fucked up stuff in this medium which is really freeing you know and so i think that was part of the way it is yeah. that's really I've, I've noticed that a lot too like it poetry there's there's rules sure um but also there's none and <laughs> essential and to it's, remember, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it is it's like if you want to sure you can work within those rules but you really don't have to and um that is a, that's actually much harder to let go of 
the idea that you can just play with words and play with sounds and it doesn't have to fit anything specific um that's a very hard thing to to like release that i have to do it in a certain way in a certain style that you have to do it in iambic pentameter or you have to (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah that's uh that's a lot of like old high school stuff that i think people get beaten into them but yeah. yeah I rem- I'm reminded a little bit, there's a, a mathematician who, uh, his name is Terence Tao, and he's written about how, like, mathematicians, when they're getting trained and, like, doing their PhDs and stuff, they have this phase where, like, they have, like, a pre-rigorous phase when you're learning, like, school math, and then they have, like, a rigorous phase in, like, mm-hmm. undergrad and grad school where you have to, like, really learn all the rules and, like, prove them forward and backward, and you have to really internalize the, like, excruciating nitty-gritty so that you can get to what he calls the, the post-rigorous phase phase where he's like okay um now you've been like the nitty-gritty has informed your intuition or like you know for a poet i think it would be like their ear and that is something you carry with you you're not thinking in terms of like being super rigorous or, or being strictly metrical or doing you know writing a perfect villanelle or something like that but you you know what kind of dipping into those traditions or perspectives feels like and like that's a really valuable thing you know I, I don't I haven't written a villanelle in a long time but like to know what it sounds like to read one and to feel one it's like oh when it sort of emerges like when you read a poem like one of my favorite poets uh, Ben Mirov has this poem called Black Glass Soliloquy that's like not a villanelle but has villanelle characteristics a little bit and like when you hear that you're like oh it, it, it allows you to sort of connect certain things that if you had totally thrown that to one side you wouldn't be able to do you know so it's like you know, it's giving yeah. yourself a, a really shitty superpower, I guess, is one way to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Writing a Sestina really does feel like a superpower. So respect on anyone who can do that well. <laughs> when did you start like getting into poetry? Like, when did that start forming? Yeah, for me, it was probably that first dip was I like... really started... Yeah. Yeah, college about, and then... It was really like kind of a a slow journey and just reading more stuff. Like I, you know, I remember having like the collected poems of like Robert Frost when I was in high school. And then later, um, like Derek Walcott, I read a lot because he's at BU, which is pretty close to where I grew up. Um, And I remember specifically reading like this great poem of his called uh, Volcano, where he talks about, which is like very funny to read when you're at the beginning of like trying to write. But he talks about like, you know, he's at this point, I think won the Nobel or whatever. And he's like, yeah, sometimes I just think about like throwing all the trying to write away and instead just trying to become like the greatest reader in the world. And so in some ways I read that poem, I I should read, I should find it and like, maybe I can read it later if I can dig it up. But like, um, it's a great one. It's really, it was, it was a transformative one. And in part, I remember feeling like, oh, this reading part is like important to people who are writing poetry, right? Like the reading part is part of it. And then, yeah, yeah, I just like kind of kept reading as many contemporary people as I could. And, and it was very often scattershot. It was like what stuff I would find and what stuff I could get through interlibrary loan and whatever. And then what stuff I could find on the internet and then just kind of sticking around. Like, I think I joined Twitter somewhere around like 2014 or so. And that was also a way to read in some ways. So it's like finding the lit journals that were posting stuff on there and poets who were active yeah. on there and yeah just kind of jumping in that current and, and never quite get, getting out of it maybe it's just like a long <laughs> i'm way out at sea now fuck you know 
I, I've, I've discovered it's kind of like a, just a continuous doggy paddle. Yeah. <laughs> As Dory famously said, right? Just keep swimming. Yeah. <laughs> What's your relationship with uh, creativity been like? Is that, is it always something that you've like tapped into or? Interesting. I usually, creativity is, is interesting because I, I feel like it's not necessarily I feel like it might be maybe like a lens that you bring to whatever it is you're doing. Like, um, like when I was in school, I, I, I was like philosophy major. And like one of the things I remember, like I was really into uh, Gilles Deleuze. And I, I read him for a very long time, like in reading groups and stuff. And I still don't really feel like I'm anywhere closer to understanding him all that well. But like Deleuze has this great view of like philosophy as this really creative act, right? Where like philosophers create concepts and they do this thing that's kind of like what an artist or a painter does um, with creating, you know, like perceptual things. Uh, and, you know, like to me, that feels like kind of the way I think about creativity and poetry and also like you know and I was, a, I was a math teacher for a long time and I think that you know there's a lot of creativity that goes into trying to teach something in a way that's like interesting and, and engaging and does all this stuff so it's like it's almost like creativity is this dial that you can turn up or turn down on your approach to various different stuff and so like there have definitely been times yeah. in my life where I felt more creative and usually that has to do with like having latitude to to do certain things or like try stuff you know because sometimes if you don't feel like you yeah. have that latitude it can be very hard to have any sort of thing that feels like you're being creative or like you're like you're doing anything new or interesting even just to you you know what i mean right right yeah. right right i'd be curious to hear what your answer to that question you have to is. have that, that space if i could push oh god my yeah. relationship with creativity um, you you may you may um, I can't promise to give you an eloquent answer, but you can that's ask. Um, <laughs> your eloquence um, the door, yeah. That's the show. <laughs> um, but <laughs> difficult. Better now. Better now. Um, as a kid, creativity wasn't something that I thought about. It was something that just happened hmm. you i it, it, it thing things were just created from me because that is where i needed to go at the time for whatever was going on <clears throat> as an adult i struggled with it more hmm. um and didn't really have a chance to reconnect with it meaningfully until ta-da the pandemic and um, <laughs> everything shut down. Yeah. yeah, everything shut down. My relationship at the time shut down. So there was this whole. And preceding it, I had a whole like crisis of self and reflection, and I hermited myself in a deep like self discovery concept. Mm. And um, it just uh, this year, this year, and uh, last year, it's been very much learning how to navigate it myself instead of letting it just uh, sort of carry me away. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's a practice. Creativity is a practice. That's very real. Yeah. I, I Maybe like, religion too. Yeah, actually, that's I think also true. Yeah. I've been, I was talking to uh, my friend, Joe, Joe Yanni, who's a wonderful poet and, and great friends and we i was reading um john wieners and his diary and like wieners is one of like an example of a poet i think who was 
often kind of like overtaken by that feeling uh, of just like, I want to write poems and like the days are getting in the way. He has this great line. I was trying to find it. It's like, uh, you cannot avoid the days or something, which is like, yeah, you really fucking can. Ooh. You know, like they just keep coming whether, whether you're ready. Like, no shit, yeah. man. <laughs> no shit, man. But yeah, like we, we, Joe and I were talking about it in the, in the lens of like, you're adult. Like when you get tired, like when, when stuff is really like coming at you fast and you just have no feeling of mm -hmm. relief from it then it is like even even when you're somebody because like I, I remember especially when I was in like college and getting into poetry it just felt like this faucet that you couldn't turn off you know like I would just like throw yes. shit in my note notes apps all the time a lot of it was you know complete not stuff <laughs> I want ever to surface but at the same time it's yeah right. it's important though that stuff's important yeah the, the juvenilia of the yeah. notes app but like you know and, and we were, we're like I think the thing we sort of settled on was something like yeah you you feel it getting kind of like it's almost like pushing through a saw trap right like it's trying to push forward and like yeah. is, <laughs> like getting in the way cutting it into little pieces or whatever and like very often we're just yes. kind of in the position of picking that up or, you know or trying to salvage it through those different processes which sounds like sounds bad now that i've said it that way but like say this, yeah but, but it's it's true though it's true though um it may be a a gruesome and apt metaphor but you know poetry is a side trap oh no gosh <laughs> we need the well, paw patrol that's, that's, for this thank you for providing straight away uh, yeah no <laughs> no copaganda on poems and whiskey sir <laughs> that's true yeah I, I i was uh i was thinking about this because we were just at the movies and uh you could hear the taylor swift uh concert movie through the walls which was like very fun oh because you know it's like a very silent scene where it's just two actors very silently being there. you can just gently hear ears like coming through the wall which is a little bit soft, right? just a tidge that know. is yeah oh back when um back when once upon a time, I worked at Borders. Mm. And yeah, I remember Borders Books and Music. Anyone else oh, yeah. out there remember Borders? I loved it. I, oh, I loved that. I loved that job. I loved that store. Mm. Anyway, um, I worked there back when uh, Romeo and Juliet, that single, came out. Nice. And no. Nice. <laughs> oh, oh, by the end of it, uh, I will never not know that song. Yep. Uh, my son still adores that song, Aww. unfortunately. But yeah, it brings back it. It brings back very vivid Christmas memories of that time frame. It's um, there. It happened. That's that's about all I got for it. Yeah, they need the. Uh, I know, like semantic satiation oh. is for when words lose their meaning, but they probably need something for that. Like when songs kind of when like Viva La Vida has just so sunk into your bones <laughs> that you stop even registering it as song. <laughs> you know. Yes, yes, yes. It's just, it's, it's just it just exists now. It's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think? Um, I've asked, it's been a minute since I've asked this question. So what what do you think poetry, what is a poem? What is poetry? Whew. Uh, you can be broad, you can be specific. Thank God yeah. you're asking some yeah, it's not an, it's, questions. You know. My goodness, yeah. <laughs> easy, is he going to throw in a well, hard see, one? See, I, I told people, I, I told people that this podcast is basically a, uh, like a poetry salon, but worse. Oh. So... <laughs> Very good, yeah. 
I think. Uh, well, we yeah. should have more. We should have poetry salons again. Um, in general, oh, I think that sure. would be a great thing to bring back. Um, but yeah, so I interrupted. What is what is a poem? What is poetry? Oh boy, um, I'm reminded of a recent interaction I had on Instagram, which I hope felt benign to the person that I had it with. I hope it didn't feel like <laughs> oh, no. it was bad. But like, I posted a snippet of I want to say like a Larry Fagan poem or something. And the person, because it was like a snippet, it wasn't the whole poem, it was, you know, like six lines. And the person commented, how is this a poem? And I don't think they were like necessarily being critical. I think they were just like, how is this a poem? And my response in the comments was like, I think this is a poem the same way that like happy birthday is a song, which is to say, Oh, maybe oh. only a name, um, or maybe because we have incorporated it into some like set of practices that we do or a ritual, right? Like there's a ritual yeah. component to it. And like, I think about that, not because cool. I think there's anything tremendously profound in that answer, but that like, I like the idea that there's a very, very minimal set of like constraints for what counts as a poem. And that we're mostly very like, if you say it's a poem, it's a poem, you know, like the, the sort of nominal, like just because I think if you don't go that route, like if you start being very like a poem can only be this kind of thing or this kind of thing, you get very bad results from that, I think, very quickly. Um, and, you know, you're asking yeah. for an artist to do some stupid shit on in your general direction and they'll <laughs> probably be in the right, you know, as they should be. In this yeah, instance. yeah, yeah. But I also think about something, there's something I think Susan Howe wrote somewhere, maybe in like the My Emily Dickinson book, where it's like the the unexpected connection, you know, there, and there's like a lot of, I think, kind of spins on this idea, but like that a poem is a place where lots of like unexpected connections become possible, like in and across language, like connections between language bits, yeah. but also connections between like the world. And like, uh, you know, I, I think, for example, like one of uh, a poet who was uh, also published by Ornithopter, Eve Luckring, who's a wonderful poet, um, her book, The Tender Between, has this really great line that I think of when I think about like, what is some cool shit that like a poem can do? It's just one line in a book full of really great lines, but it's uh, the line is, so greenly history puts forth thorns. So it's so greenly history puts forth thorns. And I love that line because there's so many things happening just at the level of the language, like puts forth thorns, greenly history. Like there's these little rhymes in it that are really beautifully wrought, but also like just the idea that history is this thing that is both growing thorns, but also doing it greenly. Like it's kind of doing it eagerly or it's doing it rapidly or just as the sun turns or whatever, like whole cosmologies of like questions you could ask about that line are begged by that line and like i think poems do that right they like hit you in a way and you're like what the fuck was that like you know what what did you (laughs) did you do do it again how why you know and like when you're sitting like that's like i feel like a poem is really successful when i've like kind of been conked on the head with it that way and now i'm like what you know who where when that kind of feeling you know yeah, yeah, yeah. How many uh, how many different drafts do you go through on average? Like for a poem, not necessarily Ooh. for like a whole collection, but just a single poem. Like, how, do you tear it apart? Do you like what happens? 
I don't know if it's a super typical thing, but like one thing that I usually do is I, I tend to have like one sort of slow go through like a draft, and then very often it'll be the case like I'll like I'll write part of it, and then either it'll like leave off, and I'll have to come back to it, or sometimes I'll make like pretty small changes, and then sometimes what I do is I just get to like either a part in the draft or the end of the whole draft, and I just write like abandoned on the bottom because like something about the poem just like irks me, and I don't want to fix it. Or I don't feel like it can be fixed, you know. And like I've done, I do that a lot. So you just, yeah. And so you just orphan it. I abandoned no. it. <laughs> yeah, which now that it sounds very heartless, but like you know, like when the vibes are up, <laughs> they're up. And sometimes I think it's better it's to true, do that though. than try to like bully it into shape. You know what I mean? Yeah, to bully it into into something something else, or like sometimes um, I've got this one. Um, one chapbook that I, I've got out there waiting to see whatever, but um, I've decided like, oh, thank you. Uh, but if if it doesn't get accepted, I mean, I'm not like sold. I'm not like married to the idea of it only being a chapbook. I fully intend on cannibalizing it. Here you go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm just gonna if if it doesn't like come together in the way that you know where it is now the way it's happening i'm gonna just rip it apart because there's some good stuff in it but not you know maybe not all together some of it so right yeah that makes total sense and I, i'm glad you brought up the chapbook manuscript because it is such a different question when it comes to like a book as opposed to a poem because like mm -hmm. my my first book was a a, a cannibalized situation where i like had two manuscripts mm. at the time and I actually sent the other one to, to Mark Harris at Ornithopter and he was like, this is like, he saw something in it, but he was also like, maybe we should work on this. And I was like, that's a very good impulse. It's <laughs> probably not it, you know? And like, I'm very glad for that because it, it totally creates this thing. Cause like, yeah, when the poems are there, learning how they dance or don't dance with each other is a very different question than like getting it to do its own thing, you know? That's, right. And that's so like, for me, that part's and a lot harder. I don't know if that's true for you as well, but like, yes. it feels true for me for sure. I, putting, well, I mean, you have to decide what you're going to do with that grouping. Do you want it all to tell like a linear story? Do you want it just to have a feeling? Do you want it to be like a, you know, pick a mix bag of what you have? Like, it, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a very different process <laughs> right. and putting and the order that things go into. Yeah. 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 I very much regretted being primarily digital while putting it together mm. because if I had, I just feel like if I'd been able to print everything out and, and spread it out on the floor and walls, uh, just, <laughs> I would have been able right. to see it Put better, you know, like, other, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right. Um, the, yes. The, the, like the inside of my brain, but actually yes. finally up on somewhere. Exactly. And <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think I'm like really impressed by it because there are some writers like just hearing them talk about their processes who write on the level of a book, you know, and like for a novelist, yeah. I get that. Yeah. And for, but for like a poet, I find that amazing. And it's like, like, I, I totally believe it can be done. I just like, it's, it's very not how I, like I come to it poem by poem 99.9% .9 of the time. And like, yeah. when people are like, yeah, I'm writing a book on X. I'm like, that is so cool. Like, I want to know how 
that happens right. in here. Like I, I just like, right. You know, it's like that. It's like when people were having that moment with the Apple thing earlier this, like, I don't know if it was last month, like people were like the visualizing the Apple scale. I don't know if you saw that thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like, yeah, I want to yeah. know what it's like when you can just like have a book that's like well-defined, but also not <laughs> written yet. Whereas I'm just like, poem, <laughs> poem, you know, well, poem. I, I didn't always write poetry. I was mainly um, I was mainly novels. Uh, growing up, it was a, a combination of um, art and um, and novels, and uh, so I didn't start writing poetry uh, with intention until um, the pandemic started. Wow. Um, now, I mean, I had written poetry before. There was a period about ten ish, eleven ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, my poor listeners, I'm not going to like take them through the whole thing, but I will sum up. It was crap and I had to do something about it. So I wrote poetry. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then after that, uh, I didn't write it at all. Um, I'd given the, given it to like a, a, a person and he had basically uh, crushed the whole concept of, of what I had done. And um, so I stopped writing. I stopped writing for like, yeah 10 11 years and um no no novels no comic books that i was writing uh so no scripts either just nothing i was just existing and uh, then i came back to poetry um i'd written a book and written a book i'd read a book and um i'd gotten really incredible dreams because of the poetry and i had to write them down like woke up three in the morning type thing Okay, I'm going to tell you, and I'm Please. going to take it out because I've mentioned it before. Oh. But um, d- pro- no judgments. None. Yeah. Zero. Okay. You're talking to the person who was carrying right. around the collected Robert Frost for a long time, so no judgments. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I used to carry a, <laughs> I used to carry a copy of Weathering Heights in my back pocket. That's what anyway. you do. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, you have to have a comfort book. Yes. Oh yes. my God. It, it's like book. a yes. Yes. We use that phrase in my house. I always have a every book with day. me. Christy's like, "What's your comfort book today?" Like, and it's in the back seat of the car. Yep. Yep. Hundred uh, percent. My comfort book lately, comfort book lately, has been the October Palace. Oh, this, this one's come with me. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that one's been coming up and downstairs with me for weeks. Um, but the one that gave me dreams <clears throat> is actually uh, Misha Collins' Some oh, Things nice. I Still Can't Tell You. There you go. A, a couple of poems in there that just left me with a very strong sense of dread. And um, so I dreamt the dread. And then I dreamt, and then I had, so I woke up and had to write down this horrible, <laughs> horrible nightmare <laughs> that it had given me. It was stunning, wow. but it was horrible. Um, and then so I decided to keep going like if this is what writing poetry can be like then um i'll just keep doing it and see what happens and yeah that's your meal ticket into the dream here we are yeah (laughs) that's beautiful yeah the dream uh dream food oh thank you because it some of it is (laughs) (laughs) Right. Some of it's a dream ipecac, but you know, we don't talk about that. <laughs> That's a good spot to pour myself a little so bit. So what will wait? Yeah, there you go. Ooh. 
I heard that. Yeah, we have a. Uh, this is a local place. They are down the street from us. They're called Catoctin Creek, and they make rye whiskey. And this is a particularly a honey rye made with hot honey, which is Ooh. very beautiful. But also, I've had to mute myself a couple times so I don't like cough honey fumes into the podcast directly into the podcast, which would not be good. <laughs> well, see the the thing. Like I edit everything, so like it's all right. Oh, good. You take yeah. great care. Yeah, I appreciate this. That. Like. Yeah. I I do. I try. Um, I try. That's all I got. I try, folks. Yeah. I try. This weird little project that I'm doing is um is just that a weird little project. I try. I try to talk to other people. I try to have some sort of like creative conversation, and then there we go. And shout out to the long. So, what was your too. comfort book? I missed it. Oh, just yes, the, it is. It is. The comfort book revolves, like you, like you said. It's like it's a time-bound thing. Yeah. So it's like you. What are you carrying with you? <laughs> like right now, um, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier is at my bedside and has. I'm only on ah. page like ninety, but it's it's an incredible book. Like I am so late to like. There's so many novels that I'm super late to, but that book has been there for a hot second. And then with poetry, I just will carry usually like a different one every day. Um, but some I go back yeah. to just, to, yeah. you know, you just got to carry it with you. Do you have, do you have like books for certain rooms? Cause mm. we do. <laughs> you, read, you have a book in the, you have a book in the bedroom. You have a yep. book you're reading in the living room. You have, yeah. Real. Yeah. Yeah. There's a spot. Cause like <laughs> when we were setting up bookshelves in the place where we live now, like it became very clear that we had certain books that were just like too big or too oddly shaped. Like, you know, there's like, like Fred Moten's the field trio and John Ashbury's as we know are both like landscape long books. So they look like this. Which I'm doing with my hands, which is yeah, useless yeah, yeah. for for listeners. But it, they're like if you turn for everybody your phone else, sideways, but I can see it, and that's yeah, important, right? Yeah. And so like they're just sticking out of the shelf, and it's like okay, now you need a, a like oversized book area so you can go where like the misfit, the island of misfit books that did not fit on the shelf, and they get oh, to no. hang out together. No. You know, which is a, it's a very positive atmosphere. Like Anna uh, Mendelssohn is there, you know, lots of great people are there. So <laughs> that means it's okay. <laughs> It's a very good island of books. It, it is. I'm I am familiar with the island of misfit book. Yeah, I'm also I'm also carrying around uh, the romance or the end. Ellen Kahn. Oh, there you go. See that? Oh, that's a beautiful yeah, cover. Yep. Uh, just started Iron John. Oh, Robert why? Bly. Break a leg. Yeah. I love like, <laughs> one thing. This maybe this will feel. Maybe this will resonate or not. But like. Bly comes to mind in part because uh, he was he did some of those kind of freewheeling translations of like Georg Trockel with like James Wright, uh, so you can like find them online. Mm. So like a lot of the deep image poets kind of like did these freewheeling translations. But like one thing I think is really interesting is like usually when I post poems online, the <clears throat> response is mostly positive. But when you post translations, one thing that happens is that people will like sometimes just be like this translation is shit and garbage and terrible and they'll like feel really strongly <laughs> about that and i don't fault them because i'm glad they feel very passionate about it but i like i've almost never had heated exchanges in the replies or comments to like poems that i post in the way that it happens with translations you know which is so that's funny i mean i get it i get it but like Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Every once in a while, you know, you will, uh, I'll post something and you'll grab it. 
right? Like you'll um, retweet it. Oh yeah. And man, it is. Um, I gotta say, it is a trip because it my notifications will blow up <laughs> because of that. Right, right. Yeah. And that's just wild to me. Wild. It's so weird. I'm like, who? are all of you <laughs> they're all readers you know they're all just <laughs> reading their way through the internet it's, oh it's bizarre it's bizarre to me because i'm so i'm in a little corner usually you know myself and maybe f- like five five people that i interact with on a daily basis right. and then oh goodness all right well i'm glad it'll be like i'm most of the time i'm just glad people also like it so right. sometimes I mute the notifications, but I'm glad other people have also right. liked these things that I have found. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I feel like when I'm posting poems, I'm putting them like, I don't know if you ever saw these that were like with Hot Wheels cars, but they had those like foam wheels that were spinning really fast on either side. So you'd like put the car in and it would shoot the car because the wheels would be spinning on either yes. side. So like I imagine sometimes posting poems is like just putting them through that thing, which I don't think is a super kind treatment. Because, like, there, for example, I think I think there are kinds of poems that are much more amenable to, like, being consumed on social media. And then there are kinds of poems where, like, mm-hmm. even though those poems are still just as, you know, they're artistically really interesting. But, like, they wouldn't, for example, get, like, reshared a ton, you know, like, because of experimentalism or right, something. Right, right. And I think about that a lot because I wonder how much, you know, participating in, like, social media poetry sharing is sort of jumping on certain forms of, like legibility being okay or being like more of a thing people more of a thing incentivized by like the algorithm you know maybe i should just post like the weirdest shit ever for two weeks and see like see if that just blows it up please do please do that would that that would that would be awesome we should do that yeah oh you should yeah to the weird shit so i never um yes i never uh got around to doing the performance anxiety but talk about that a little bit like sure where you started it what was the idea the experience yeah yeah so now now we're kind of operating <laughs> under this uh nightlight moniker which we changed the name because um when when yeah. performance anxiety started it was the summer of i think 2019 um and Kristen garth who was my co-organizer mm-hmm. for performance anxiety she just basically tweeted something that was like you know i, I wish there were more opportunities to read you know, live, but online, because, you know, you can obviously read live if you yeah. have in-person events, but like Kristen and I both were in spots where like, you know, I wasn't actually that far from like a poetry community because I didn't live that far outside Boston, but I didn't go to like live poetry events or anything. And Kristen was in a part of Florida where like, she didn't feel like she had, I think a lot of like in-person stuff. So we both like put together, I remember because the, uh, the first reading I was at like a uh, a hotel for like a summer training thing in Texas. So it was like, I was so sweaty. I like went to the, I went to like a magic mushroom pizza place. What are those actually called? Like, I don't know if it's, yeah. What's that place? Called? Yeah, it's magic. Mu- it's a, it's um mellow. It's a shit. It's um mellow mushroom. Yeah. So I, mushroom. I went to one of those. I got a slice yeah. of pizza. I got a couple beers. I came back and we recorded our first reading, which was like, kind of a hot mess because we we're using Skype and all this other stuff, but like, it was really fun. And, you know, we got a bunch of people, Kristen knew some people I knew, and then we just started kind of doing it monthly where we would invite in the beginning, we were like really militant about getting 10 readers every time, which meant like pretty short slots and lots of organizing to right. get people. And then we kind of relaxed that 
over time. But it was really awesome just to to get to know a lot of people. And like Kristen and I traveled in slightly different poetry circles. So she would invite like groups of people who I hadn't interacted with, but was excited to hear. And I would invite people that hopefully was kind of the same thing. And then, you know, we did different things. Um, sometimes we would have like, we're hoping actually to do the nightlight version of this where we would have like an earlier meeting um, so that we could invite some like UK poets. So it wasn't like two in the morning for them when they oh, would read. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 It was really wonderful. Like the, the whole thing, we, we ended up having pretty continuous readings for, I think it was about four years. And then we just had like, we, we were kind of running out of steam a little bit. And like Kristen had a lot of like personal yeah. stuff that was going on. And so we kind of agreed that it would make sense for her to step back a little bit from it so that was kind of why we paused for a bit and uh, came back as nightlight but right. you know it's it's been a really great way just to like have community in a way that feels uh pretty sustainable like like I, i'm somebody who where I, I really don't think i could hack being like the only editor of like an online lit mag or something like i think my head would probably explode if i did uh, that yeah. I, mean, I, I deeply admire people who do it and i think it's amazing when when they <laughs> are coming because like there's a bunch of amazing ones out there that are run basically on the love of a couple of people. But um, this was like totally the right size thing for me to try to do that, that would allow me just to like basically right. hear more people. And, you know, th my favorite part about it is I think with like a reading, you really feel like you're giving people like literal space and time to like share their stuff. And I think my favorite thing about it is when like a couple people who maybe didn't know about each other's work before the reading then know about each other and are like interested in each other's work after that and like that's magic that's like that's really cool when that kind of stuff happens you know that is really cool that is really cool yeah i don't frequent any of the local poetry stuff uh for lots of lots of personal reasons like transportation <laughs> and so like and it's uh it, it's it's hard to make any sort of connections on that end yeah, and I think like I think there's something really powerful about the like I know some people who are really closely involved with their like in-person poetry communities, and it really is like you know we talked about the tenuousness of the online communities in comparison, and like I think it is. Right. It's also I think really good if you're somebody who's, for example, like doing a writing circle or something, and you're like getting feedback mm -hmm. from people and sharing work in in that kind of capacity. Like I think being in person really helps with that um that kind of a thing but i think especially for those of us who've got like a once a month commitment in us and uh you know especially our connections are like pretty diffuse anyway with people who are mostly on right. the internet from right, us right. it's like hey this this virtual space and like we were in many ways really lucky because we in 2019 summer 2019 we were just doing it before you know pandemic stuff so it was easy to sustain through that um and we did like at one point yeah. we were doing like one or two one a week during like covid when i was yeah not going to school and, and stuff and it was like that was pretty crazy I'm, I, I don't know how we managed that but like that kind of thing you know it, it was nice to have because that was the time when like nobody was really sure of when we were going to have kind of anything you know especially in person stuff you know? right right how how did your your work and 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 your relation to creativity change because of COVID. Like it must have, everybody's kind of had to, but like, so how did you navigate it? Yeah, you know, I think um, one thing that I think it sort of highlighted in a big way, cause like I was, uh, I was a teacher um, before COVID, during COVID, 
and for like one or two, like I guess you could say two years, like after COVID, in the sense of there were two years when I was like back in a classroom physically,、um, like post the initial shutdown, etc. And I think like one、right. thing COVID made super clear to me was I was like, wow, I really. I really value and dare I say, sort of like need this time to like not feel like like your whole because like you know I, I, one thing that's really challenging for teachers right now because you know I, I can't say this anymore as I am one but I, I you know my wife is still teaching and she's a choir director for our county and has so many responsibilities like there's so much that goes. Into basically any teaching job, and then you know when you become something like a, a program director or something, there's layers on top of that. But it just kind of can take over your whole life, you know, and it can make it extremely hard, especially if you have like children and like just other life stuff. Like the the amount of time you have to just like be a person is so minimized, and and there's like a moral pressure on it too, because it's like, well, you should be, you know, the idea is like you should want to do it for the kids, and it's like it can be true that you want kids to have rewarding. Experiences, but also it should be the case that adults should be able to, you know, not have mental breakdowns while also doing that, right? And like, I don't say right. that at it's all. It's just white for yourself. Like, it, like not,、right. not like that. Not like that. Right. Time,、exactly. intention, sure, but not the entirety. Yeah, and and so like I didn't really answer your question in terms of creativity, but like in, in no, as you didn't. As, yeah, right. In as much as we talked about like creativity feeling like it gets it gets juiced or squeezed a little bit,、um, I think that really was like laid bare to me because you know you can like you like you mentioned going a while without writing like you like sometimes when I was teaching、yeah. I would just go weeks without writing anything and it just was because there was no time like there wasn't and it wasn't that there's in absolute terms no time it's that like your brain gets taken over by All the stuff you haven't done, the guilt you feel around the stuff you haven't done, etc. And like, there's no poem headspace in that.、Um, and I'm not saying poems、right. are the only reason why that's a bad. Like, having time for poems is not the end all, be all of that. But like, again, just something that I think it's so brutal that it, it like there's you know I've seen people who work especially in education have these things that like give them life, and then slowly but surely like they just have less and less time for it because. You know the job and the responsibilities, and is it whatever take over, and that's hard. That's a really hard thing to to watch, and also to be at the center of if that's you. You know. Yes, I was. I'm not.、Uh, not that kind of teacher. I didn't do that kind of thing. But I, I am quite familiar with the rest of life, just burying you under、right. it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even now, even like, even though I'm,、uh, I'm stay at home and I'm so I homeschool them, and even now, like with, with the less of the outside pressures, there's still there's still stuff to like that pushes it down in a way. And yeah, speaking of that,、uh, John Weiner stuff from earlier, there's a line where he says like, poets should just have to write poems and not do anything else. And I'm like, that's the、If、dream. Only <laughs> that's the dream, John. Oh, you. you You, no fucking shit, right? I, on the, thank you, thank you. He agrees.、Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Basil's on team poets writing poems. <laughs> Basil's like, I can write one right now. One.、Oh, he could. He could. He could. I believe in it. <laughs> so here's another easy question.、Mm. Um, what is inspiration? Two, twofold. And、uh, 
how is it different, do you think, from Desire? Whoa. Heavy. This is this feels like a very good question now that like Richard Seipit is back on Twitter. This feels like you should I after I answer this question, please like be like, hey Richard Seiken, and then just <laughs> put that and I'm sure he will find it and respond. Well with him just yeah. so did you uh, to derail just just for like two seconds since sure. we're talking about Richard Seiken. Did you see where he um this poor this poor person asked them about um unrequited love? Hmm. And and he's like, it doesn't exist. Um, that's just desire. No. It's it's not love. Love requires two people. It requires a back and forth. It's just desire. And I'm like, whew, fuck. And he's like, <laughs> words change the meaning of things, don't they? And I'm like, fuck, man. Wow. Fuck. See, luckily, Richard yeah. Sykin already answered this question, so I'm in the clear. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> Perfect. No, you're not. You're not. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, well, it's so interesting that like... To, to be clear, yeah. I don't have an answer. So right. like, yeah. this is just... This is off the dome ephemera. kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that the two terms of the equation are like inspiration and desire. Because like, to me, that sort of implies that like inspiration just kind of like comes out of nowhere like it's a it's a lack of lack right it's like if, if desire is this thing that you want and it's out there and then you know inspiration just comes and it's like this excess almost right and like you know to go back to Deleuze from a few minutes ago like Deleuze has this reading of desire that it's like productive right that it like produces the image of like the, the beloved or whatever right and and I think about that a lot because I, I think that I think if if you think about it that way then desire and inspiration are, are really kind of co-existent in this w interesting way of like if you if your desire is productive of some kind of like reality or, or beloved or figure or poem right then it it's kind of indistinguishable from inspiration in the sense that like it it produces that thing like I, I think about it I guess also in terms of like certain poets or writers who kind of almost feel like this world is like spilling out of them, you know? Like uh, I was talking recently also with Joe about uh, about Alice Notley, who's just wonderful, like a wonderful poet. Oh yeah. And like Alice has written, God, it must be like over like 20 some odd poetry books or something. And like some of the recent publications have been like running to the hundreds of pages. And it's almost like this whole world just has to happen this whole new like cosmology um is coming out of especially this like later almost sci-fi feeling stuff and like to me that's a great example where it's like in, on some terms i think it is inspiration but it's also like this this kind of like desire to produce this thing or it is just desire producing this thing that wasn't there before that like was right you know, was maybe not legible except on the terms that she had to make for it, you know? And like, that's fucking cool as hell. <laughs> like that is, that is poet shit par excellence, right? Like making your own rules <laughs> and then making your own idiom. Yes. That's good. That's really good. I don't need, you don't need me to tell you Alice <laughs> Notley is good, but uh, here I am. I gotta, yeah. man, you, I, you're, you're gonna put me through my paces in, in putting all, cause, I put every everybody we talk about, everybody we mention, to my best to my best ability, mm. um, in the show notes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no! I'm so sorry. I make sure because I want to make sure. You know what? Don't don't actually apologize. I'm throwing don't. a Gilmore Girls um, episode. I'm just at you. like 
Fuck. <laughs> you really are. Uh-uh. Um, but I'm pleased. I'm pleased. It, it's um, it's. Don't apologize. I'm just like wow, wow. When I'm going through and editing this, <laughs> yeah, this was it's gonna like be con- it's, it's like oh, wait, okay. least, yeah. no, 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 find the link. Find, like, does that author have a website? No, I'll just link Poetry Foundation. And they, like, <laughs> they got you covered. Yeah. <laughs> Done and dusted. Um. <laughs> it is always like a small right. uh, victory when somebody who doesn't have like a, a web presence gets one. Like, uh, and sorry, I'm going to throw another yeah. one in there for the show notes. But there's this poet, Mark Pearson, who like it happened in real time. Like I was I was really interested in his stuff because I like found out that his book, which is called Pierce End, was like free to read online because somebody had like scanned it on JSTOR as part of this like whole um like oh. set of things and but he didn't have shout the, out to jstor yeah shout out to the people who scanned it for jstor it might have been part of like the little <laughs> magazines project which is an amazing thing and like they yeah. have so much good stuff but anyway like when i first was like tweeting about his stuff like there was nothing you couldn't find anything about his life except like one line in a bomb magazine piece about david rattray where he like talked about reading his book on the radio and then later somebody actually wrote his poetry foundation bio and like emailed it to me and was like oh you should check this out because i know you're like interested and i was like oh my god it just happened this is so beautiful like that it just is a nice reminder that like that shit is not magic like it comes out of real interest being cultivated and especially like I have this real soft spot for like poets who wrote really good shit, like a, like not just unknown poets now who also I have a great soft spot for, right. but like the poets who were writing really good shit a long time ago or recently ish a long time ago and just kind of have fallen through the cracks, you know, because like there's yeah. so much to be discovered on that score. <laughs> anyway, you were about to ask that's a question and then I was like, Mark, you should. Uh, I, th- that's okay. Uh, oh, actually, I do remember. All right, so. I did get reclaimed water. Oh, hey. And, check it out. Um, yeah. There you go. Um, I made my way through it. It's I'm I'm I I'm not going to apologize for it anymore, but I do dog ear and mark up all over my my books. By all means. I love them. I well love all of my books. It's an artifact now. That's good. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I want you to talk about it for a little bit. Um, I have lots of unformed sort of uh mushy questions about it so (laughs) sure (laughs) why don't you talk about it a little bit um so that i don't have to make sentences sure yeah i I think um one thing that was really interesting for me about reclaim water as a book was uh my first book was like a really slow like accretionary process um it was called light up swan it's the same ornithopter press published it as well and like you know i'd been writing poems for like six or seven years when I was like putting that in, like I mentioned, I had two manuscripts at the time and it was just like, I had so much stuff. And like the real challenge at that point was like sifting through stuff to find like poems that were kind of talking to each other and also felt like they were reflecting kind of what was going on at that point, like 2021 ish when that book came out. Whereas with uh, reclaim water, it, it sort of happened on a much quicker time scale. Like most of it was written most of it, not all of it, was written between Light Up Swan coming out. Here's Pumpernickel. She's here as well. This is another cat. Um, but uh, like that, Pumpernickel. it happened Welcome. pretty much within the space of a year. Yeah, she's she's not also very amenable to being held, but here she is. Um, 
but yeah. Okay. And so like that, it was weird because it, it really did feel like it came together like as a book, which was not something that happened at all with the first one. Like there were poems that came out and I was like, oh, I know this is the last poem in the book or I know this is like a section lead off or a section right. closer or something. And so that was like a really interesting and different feeling. And another thing that felt kind of like, I don't know if this is just total projection or what, but like, I think when you're writing like a first book, there's a lot of pressure on it to like not waste space or time, you know? So like, for example, Mark and I made some places with light up Swan where like we had page like poems where if I had had my druthers, I would have put like four lines of something on one page, four lines of something on the next page and had a lot of white space. But like, the page count was running up pretty quick. And then with Reclaim Water, I was like, okay, <laughs> now I've got one out there and I can just like actually try these things that I wanted to try the first time. And so there's a lot right. more like white space in the book and I felt a lot freer to do something like that. Like I think I think you sort of like get over your first book a little bit and then there's like, oh wow, this hump has been cleared and now I can like actually do this weird shit we've been talking about, right? Like right. try to bend the rules a little, mm-hmm. a little bit more, not entirely, but a little bit more. Those are my half-formed thoughts. I'm curious to hear your your half <laughs> or other formed thoughts. That... Well, see, I was just... I'm really... The, the theme of water and the way things... It's cohesive, but at the same time, it's very loose. And I quite like that. And um, there was one that I was like, this just sounds like the inside of my brain. <laughs> and... Great. That's a because the way you had used you had used um, the way you went from like thought to concept, it was just like kind of meandering through. And I make those weird kind of logical leaps and have the bizarre sort of uh, serendipitous things come up. It was about the coin. Uh, oh, coin advantage. Yeah, I love that. Yes, yes, yes. And I was just like, this is the inside of my brain. <laughs> yep. The way it moved from like the, from the sound to the image to this far off thing that bounces right back to you. And um, yeah, I don't, I just, I enjoyed it a, a, a lot. It's a lot different than other stuff that I've read. Thank you. Why reclaimed water? Oh, you're welcome. Sure. Reclaimed water. Why, why that particular title? Why I- that idea? I think one reason I was drawn to it was um, partially like, A, we, we actually do live uh, in Virginia pretty close to a water reclamation facility. So like I literally drive by. Also, I was trying to find while you were talking. Uh, it is a true story in that I do actually have this little mercury dime that I keep in my wallet. It's still actually a literal thing. That is that's uh, really cool. It still chills. That's I was like, really cool. I was like I, every so often I'm like, did I finally lose it? I didn't finally lose it yet. It's still here. Um, I don't think it will protect me from bullets, as you've just seen. That's very small, but uh, but like <laughs> I think the idea of well, not well, only if they're coming at you from a certain angle, right? Yeah, it'll protect my what is that? The femoral artery. Like, hopefully, it'll keep it <laughs> that okay. There you go. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe possibly, but um, <laughs> yeah, like I-, I liked the idea. Like with reclaimed water, there's this idea in you know just just in purely the literal sense of like actual water reclamation it's like you have this water and something has happened to it like it feels it's been used in some way it's been contaminated or made unclean and you know there's like definitely some cultural catholicism inheritances in the book uh in in major ways so like (laughs) uncleanliness has a lot to do with 
you know, whole there's a whole theology that comes on the back of that that I'm I'm not personally committed to, but I'm definitely interested in like playing around with a little bit. Um, and then just the idea that like with well, it's kind of like background radiation in America yeah, anyway. Right. Exactly. Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like you know, for, especially like <laughs> I, I grew up in in like a spe- like an area where it's particularly dense, like in you know south of Boston that that area, and so it was just like in the air. Um, my mom also like worked at a church for a while when I was growing up, so it's like just the hymn books are in the back of the head forever after that, um, which is not bad. It's it's a way a way in, but like I think the idea after after water somehow having something go awry with it or, or make it this sort of unclean thing that there's a way to you're not like restoring it. There's no like pure restoration to like any pure past, right? You can't make it totally pure, but you're doing something that makes it like usable again or or like have a new but different purpose. You know, like for example, it can irrigate fields if it couldn't before, right? It, can, it might not be potable, but it, it, you know, you had something that was totally unusable and now it's watering the grass or it's watering the, you know, a, a, like a preservation area or something. And I was just really drawn to that idea. Cause right. I, I think we all, maybe this is too big of a, we, but like, I think there's a lot of that feeling of like, we fucked up somehow. Like we didn't buy a house before the 2008 crash. We didn't do whatever thing we should have done right. at a certain yeah. point. Or like, you know, for me, a lot of this also came from the fact that I was thinking about leaving teaching and, and I was like, wow, have I really fucked up like my whole, like the only thing I am qualified to do professionally? Um, am I really going to throw that in the yeah. trash? Like, et cetera. And then just kind of, there's like a weird optimism in the idea that like with certain care and like, you know, in this case, reclamation, it's no, it's like you can, there's still a way to flow differently. It'll be different, but it won't be yeah. useless or it won't, you won't be discarded, you know, right. like that, that to me was right. like, okay, let's, let's go with that. Let's run with that a little and see where it takes us. My take on that was much less beautiful. <laughs> By all means. The point, of, the point, the point. The same point that you're talking about, I decided to call it my fuck it era. Mm, beautiful. My fuck it era. Thank you. I'm eloquent. Yeah. That's a title. <laughs> That's also a title. If you want it, it's right there. <laughs> yeah. It's right there. I'll 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 put I'll make a little note. My yeah. fuck it era. <laughs> All caps. Baby. I'm actually I'm making a note. Making a note mm. of it. Yeah. <laughs> an autobiographical poem. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I do, do. You ever write anything else now? Like, do you ever move beyond poetry? Beyond, Ooh. in addition to poetry. You know, one. It's interesting because uh, a lot of my day job now, not necessarily, was the case when I started doing it. Um, when I started doing it, I was doing a lot more like coding in a in like a scripting language for the thing that we build lessons on. But uh, now I actually do a lot more yeah. prose writing. So I write, uh, for example, like teacher editions of lessons, so like the teacher version of something. Um, and it's really interesting because it's it's both prose, but it's also like a like I was reading that uh, that review of the Dan Sinekin book called Big Fiction uh, that was just like talking about like the conglomeration. Con- I, there's a 
probably more syllables in there, but like the way conglomerateness took over big, like, you know, big publisher fiction. And yeah, in, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And in yeah, many yeah. ways, like the experience of writing prose for a company is like that because there's like guidelines and things that, you know, and lots of people will touch it. So like lots of editors will see things and suggest changes. Um, and so in many ways, it's like not right. my writing, which I think is good. I think that makes it better um, in very important ways. Like no teacher should ever should ever be subjected to my first draft of anything. Um, but like, I, I think I think that like makes me feel very much like poetry is this like protected space almost. And so I do like write prose sometimes mm. in the form of like book reviews or sometimes weird little essays or whatever. But yeah. I've never like I don't really I've never really tried like fiction um, I've been in, like, I was interested in playwriting. I, I'd love to write a play someday, but I've never. Oh, you should. Yeah. The poet, um, Sarah Hetty wrote a libretto and it turns out that, uh, the reason I know that is because I had read Sarah's work and then it turns out that like another editor who I work with, her husband was the composer on an opera that she wrote the libretto for. And I was like, oh my God, what a beautiful small world. Um, uh, but like, yeah, the poet as playwriter oh. librettist, like, that really, that's cool. Like Ariana Ryans is one of my favorite poets ever and she's also a playwright. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that would be really cool. When I grow up, I wanna write a play or an opera or something. <laughs> when you grow up, yeah. Yeah, Annie style. Yeah. Oh no, that's Matilda, <laughs> right? Shit, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> You've caught me, my one weakness right. is right. musical theater, damn it. <laughs> That's really embarrassing for somebody who's like, I want to write for the theater. <laughs> Cloud mode. Oh, dear. Oh. oh, that's all right. That's fucking funny, though. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Gotta, gotta get my canon figured out, you know? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I, I wrote narratively for a long time and stopped. And, uh wrote poems for a very small amount of time and stopped and then <laughs> kind of like threw myself into oh, everybody's going to hear when I just bumped my fucking mic anyway um, kind of threw myself into script writing for the Ooh. comic books like the graphic novels yeah. that I want to write and I am finding and now I'm taking a small break from writing poetry with intention just Letting reading, letting things simmer, and and doing a fun project that's just for fun. Nobody's gonna read it except people who also read fan fiction. So, mm-hmm. just a goofy thing to play. And um, I'm actually finding it a lot harder to switch from the way of writing scripts into a more like descriptive narrative way like Ooh, all yeah. of my rough drafts of it are coming out very script like like um, right. yeah this scene this character does this and that like it's that switch is fine i'm finding it harder than like with poetry with poetry like i still i'm still making notes i'm just not doing bigger projects and yeah it's just that switch is i'm finding it surprisingly more difficult than I had imagined to switch the brain from, it's like an right. angle switch, right? Like you have yeah. like, instead of being, you know, up here, you're moving your camera angle like down here and you're right. in it instead. And uh, yeah. Yeah. 
strange. I've had some really interesting conversations. Uh, my friend Nisha, who read with us on Nightlight, um, she's working. She has a beautiful first book called uh, One Sun is Plenty that when it comes out, it's going to be amazing. Um, and we, we would talk a lot about this because her book is, you know, like, and I think many books that like I love are, are grounded in a, in a lyric eye that we think of in that way. But there is a, a strong sense of character mm-hmm. in, and like, you know, when I, I'm really interested when poets can write with character as a, as a device, because it's actually, I think, kind of rare in the here and now, right? Like, for example, like Ayagawa. Um, right. Yes, yes. Yeah, like, you know, like Cruelty and Killing Floor, like that, those books that are actually like pretty much all dramatic monologues. And that is not really a medium per se. And like, maybe you'd say that, you know, with the whole like distance yourself from the speaker, talk about the speaker of the poem, we can kind of cast any poem we want, mm-hmm. I guess, as a dramatic monologue. But at the same time, like, I, yeah, I, th- I think like the confessional mode kind of won that race in, in a particular way. And like, it's really interesting because then when character comes back. Yeah, right. Maybe because you're right. Maybe it is for yeah. now. Like maybe the Mike Flanagan era arriving is actually well, people wanting see, the dramatic my... analog back. You know. <laughs> yeah. I also think there's a lot about. It all kind of... Yeah. And, and like, I think, too, there's a, a ton about like the risks inherent to to character right like to sort of you like i think i think there have been a lot of holes poked in the hubris of like i being who i am can represent this character being who they are right and there's a lot of dis it turns out there was you know a lot of people were bridging that distance without thinking a lot about it for a long time but now that there have been a lot of questions which many of which are in a very good and positive and, and correct direction but at the same time, I think it gives you pause. Like, for example, there's a lot of things that if I were to try to, you know, narrativize or characterize them or like build characters, I would be asking, I'd be doubting myself a lot. Like, am I getting at a character in this space? Or I would need to make the character kind of abstract, like, you know, Becketize them or something, mm-hmm. right? And like do something that doesn't <laughs> feel like I'm, you know, going for realism or whatever. And like, that's just a really interesting right. space because it's like, oh, well, you all, and like, it's sort of similar to the, the auto fiction. Like, I know way less about fiction, so don't quote me on anything, but like the auto fiction thing <laughs> feels right up that alley, right? In, in many ways. Yeah. You know, I wonder who the next Ayagawa will be, who, who will be the person who just like blows our heads off with incredible dramatic monologues that, you know, do stuff we've never heard, we haven't heard in a long time, that kind of thing. I don't know. I'm ready though. Yeah, maybe they're in the call with us. Right I'd like now. to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be. Right? Oh, there. Oh, see, no, but I am having um, your your show will come out after. This is a very uh, busy week for me. Um, <laughs> as I'm re- this, we're recording this. It will come out in about uh, two weeks or so. Cool. Um, should only be about two weeks but um on monday night i'm doing my first ever like group show mm. so there will be five poets um wow. that, including myself That's there were awesome. going to be six but um and i'm going to do uh it's going to be a seance nice. <laughs> we're gonna For do it, it, it'll like um yes Beautiful. so we're going to do a seance and we're going to do poetry reading and um we'll see what happens That's killer. Um, I've actually caught uh, EVPs during my recordings. Wow. Here. No way. Yeah. 
Wait, wait. I'll if I if I still have the files set up, I can I can send them to you. I send them to uh, John Compton. He's going to be on the show. Oh, amazing. again, this is like this is this is damn near like the JoJo show 2.0. Jo- jo- <laughs> as often as he's been yeah. on it, but um, <laughs> so um, but I'll capture EVPs and I'll try to like isolate them and make sure they're on the original recording and all that shit. Wow. Um, and I had one one of the coolest ones was this neat little uh singing that happened and it's it's somebody is singing a very light little tune it's only a couple of seconds but it's clear that it's like it's supposed to be a song right and it's i can't tell whose mic it was coming from if it was my guest or mine if it was mine my microphone is set up so that it captures the most sound from the front. It dampens mm. the sound from the sides. Right. So if it's coming from my mic, it would have to be right there. <laughs> right, right there. in between. That's a little bizarre. I don't know if you noticed, and but as if you've it was on my this, by the lights behind me have gone off and their timer. Just I saw that. Do you want to hear a weird thing that happened? Yeah. There was a weird thing that happened right before I came on. And I was like, okay, well, I went downstairs real quick to handle my dumb dog. Bless. Um, I don't know if you got that message. Like, yes. if I'm not there when you are when you come on, I've got a dumb dog. Um, so I went downstairs for a second. Priorities were correct. And um, I came up, and um, I'm, I'm getting set back up, and I, something, I feel something on my foot. And I look down, and there's a fucking dime on my foot. Hmm. On the top of my foot. The dime. I just showed From you my dime. Where? I just showed I know, you my dime. What I the know. fuck is that? Get out. It was a dime. It was heads up. It was heads up. It's just a dime. I don't carry coinage. That's really fucking uh, My creepy. pockets are empty. My wallet is downstairs on the shelf. I'm Damn. at my desk that does... I don't have... this. It's just... This is just like old art supplies and too many books... There's no. That's pretty incredible. Where the fuck did this dime come what from? What year is the dime? I gotta so know. So I. You gotta tell me. Oh, that's a good choice. Okay, let me see. Let me look. Uh, if I can actually fucking see. Okay, it's got to be a new dime. I cannot see. Ugh. Sorry, I'm making you do a vision test in the middle. No, it's all right. It's all right. All right. Right. I. I'm already how many beers and whiskey and I don't know. Yeah. That's not helpful. Sobriety test. Yeah, Alright, two it's a two thousand something. I can't read the something. last last numeral. Two thousand something. But it was just it was bizarre. I don't I'm not carrying anything because I'm in my own house. You know, like so I don't have all this all this I don't know where it came from. But I looked down and it was on the top of my foot. It was on the, the arch of my foot. I don't know where it came from. That's good. That's really good. Cheers. We had and, a dime rhyme across uh, the... Yeah, this one's for the ghosts. <laughs> this one. I will drink to mm. the specters. Oh. But if... And if the singing was coming from my guest, Mike, she was wearing iPod headphones, so they would have had to have been right next to her face Damn. for the mic to pick that up. That's uh, so, That's no joke right there. But yeah, so he's going to have a recorder um, on the side, co- recording only on his side, and I'm going to have my little voice recorder to see if we can pick up any other uh, EVPs just from our own spaces. And we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Dang. 
Well, hey. My very first. That's good. Halloween party. That's beautiful. <laughs> I wish, yeah. I'm like, It'll be fun. We did used to do like uh, performance anxieties around Halloween, but like we never got anything that yeah. cool. So I'm, I think I'm going to do the standard like knocking and we'll just see if it see what comes. shows up. Yeah. Knock at yeah. the door. I don't know. Wow, that is, the dime thing is really uh, fucking with me. In the stigmata position, too. It's wild. Right after we talked about the Catholic thing. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking mm-hmm. thoughts. Weird. Again, those weird little serendipitous... Also, poetry is yeah. all about, like, yeah. the foot yeah. puns, so, you know? Like, the foot, the metrical foot, like, all that shit and... Yeah. There are! Oh! Like, it's right there. It's... The ghosts are laughing. It is right there. They're laughing at us. I would not even, would not even be surprised in any, any form or fashion. Um, I'm pretty well used to funny things (laughs) happening sometimes. I literally just show like, hold on, let me. Well, uh, yeah, I'll grab it because why not? But I was just showing my. uh, Oh, it just looks like you're gonna like disappear into the yeah, void. Yeah, all right. I am gonna disappear <laughs> if I if I stop talking. Please send somebody to come find me. But um, I was showing because like we did an icebreaker <laughs> thing with my work people today, and uh, they like one of the icebreaker prompts was like grab the weirdest thing around you, like in your house. <laughs> and so well, the weirdest thing I have, which I will set you down so I can show you, is uh, we at an antique store somewhere. Reese, like this would have been a couple years ago. We got this uh, cassette set, which is how to deal with Satan and demons. And unfortunately, it is missing one it. cassette. So the one, if that's the key, I'm no, I'm good in that's the key to it all. If number four has the secrets, then God help us. But <laughs> so if they're here, I'm going to need to put these on a Walkman <laughs> just just immediately. <laughs> I have one. Oh, I good. have one. Yeah, I'll just uh, send this to you. You know, I've actually... So you can put it on. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. see, actually, I'm going to tear it apart. I'm going to tear the Walkman apart and make my own... Um... <laughs> I just blanked on the word. Of course I did. You know, I don't know how you remember all those fucking names. You're just rattling them off. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm lucky if I remember my own name. Fuck. Whose names? Oh, I'm very name? impressed. Your name. All the names. All the names you've dropped. Oh, like no. all the, <laughs> you know, I you remember that name them dropper all. style. I'm envious. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I, my, I don't, re- <laughs> it's Swiss cheese up here. I have, to, I make notes. That was also a COVID effect. I keep uh, getting up to get more water, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do feel like my working memory has uh, really shit the bed since COVID and like, you know, so yeah. We, uh, yeah. we joke about it a lot because I'll like go downstairs to do something like, you know, adjust the laundry or whatever, and a tweet will happen yeah, and yeah. then I'll forget whatever. But that's like totally de rigueur now in a way it didn't used to be. <laughs> oh, electromagnetic field. I was going to make my own electromagnetic field device. Oh, very cool. Some DIY oh. electronics for your... You know, at home project. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're when you're bored, you yeah, or curious. A poet is not that dissimilar from a DIY electronics person. You're just putting together these weird little circuit boards of feeling, and you know, seeing what happens. How do you feel about share time? I feel good about share time. In, anything good? 
because we're at about an hour and a half and that's a good good place to start sharing whatever you'd like to share that would be great your work other people's work anything you'd like i have a lot of work by other people that i would love to read if that is cool and do you want to like of course do some back and forth is that cool like i can read one and you can read one of whatever you want yes that would be great yes i would love that all right all right let me see if i got my shit together it's one of these tabs in here i don't (laughs) no that's good that means it's more uh ever (laughs) that means it's more random if you do it that way which is more fun all right i have this doc i put together of just like poems that i really love and they're by all kinds of different people mostly people who are living and who i wish more people would read Um, (laughs) i do have it all right cool so this one to start off is by camille rankin whose book incorrect merciful impulses is a really great book that i love dearly it's called uh syzygy which is uh spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y, Syzygy. I was told tonight the moon would be impossible, but I am too drunk, my eyes toward the sky. I feel I would come loose from the earth, a short flight, I believe. I've bitten off more than can be held at bay, in which case it helps to think collectively, however unlikely. Here we are, rooting for the doomed, gazelle or we are the gazelle we are the lion or the birds of prey the landlocked boy daydreaming an expanse of blue the earth curves we mark the dates and keep waking up turning the clock forward and back in the quiet we step quietly in the audience we stand and demand more we clap our hands in captivity we carve our name into the floor all you, MC. Oh. All right. Let me see. It's a good thing I have control over the editing. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Silences. This is the caesura. It's also important. <laughs> the blackness behind you is really disturbing. It's honestly, yeah, I didn't remember that they were going to turn <laughs> off, and I'm like, oh, okay. I just keep him like waiting for a little skinamarink face to show up right here. God, that's what I would need for right now. Uh, what is your name? I'm trying to decide which one to do. So I'm looking at um, looking through love poems by um, mm. Idea Velarino, right? Nice. Um, and I'm just trying to decide which one. By all means. There's so many that I have marked. In its, in its own good time, poetry. In its own good time. Mm-hmm. No, I really, really enjoyed this uh, English collection. There's only like one, so. Oh, wow. You see it? Yeah, who's the translator? Um, Jesse Lee Kirchival or Kirchival? Kirchival, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. I, uh, every, I just, this, it feels like a collection of knives. Everything in this is very <laughs> sharp. And, uh, yeah. I feel that way about, uh, Pisarnik when I read Alejandro Pisarnik. It's like, ow, ow, turn the page, ow, mm-hmm. turn the page, ow. 
That's another thing is I think it's kind of nice to like a lot of these poems when I was building this document, I was like, I've read these poems so many times in my head, but it's like, why the fuck not read them again? That's part of the magic, you know? Yeah. They withstand repetition. Okay. This kind of fits our funny little serendipitous moment. All right. This one is called no one, not you, no one, not you who appeared to me less than anyone you less than anyone less than anything in life and already the things in life are little or nothing or the life that could have been that was that never will be again a gust of wind a peso a coin valid and alive a coin valid and alive a coin valid and alive ah that's good I am going to call a small audible here because I was going to read more shit from my document. But what I want to do instead, um, I mentioned Nisha earlier. um, And hold on. God damn it. It's all right. I'm not going anywhere fast. We're good. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, it's more just like my internet is so bad. boy so uh i would like to read a poem and i think she'd be okay with this um by nisha trout who is the person i mentioned earlier um nisha in a in a really in something that broke my heart earlier this week nisha lost her mom and uh so i would like to in as much as one can do for a reading of an individual poem just dedicate a reading of this poem by nisha uh, to the memory of her mom and to Nisha, who's a great, great poet and person. Um, the poem is called Coin of Mercy, which is why I wanted to read it. Uh, Nisha read it on Nightlight, and it was really beautiful, so I'm going to try to do my best justice to it. Coin of Mercy. Nothing makes sense until you're in the new muscle of yourself. After the emergency of change has taken over and lifted you from one way of being to another. Your friends long gone, no one left to blame, your mind licked to grain. You tend to a moss uprising toward your thoughts, trimming it back, a ship of the id capsized. Texts left on red, texts are buildings on fire. A favorite person, a memory vein, a tremor loosed like spirit flu. You beg God, a lunar pill with carved eyes. May I have the new pattern of my life? Will you help me restore my vision if I empty the task of myself? If I stop the hatchet of my mouth to let love in, if I free the hostage of my brain and apologize, is grace the frayed rope to you going on forever and ever? Mm. That's some good shit. That is, and that reminds me, that reminds me of someone. All right. I like this ping pong. I'm I'm quite a fan of the... (laughs) Okay, so that reminded me, because of the mentioning of Grace, it reminded me of Calling a Wolf a Wolf by Kave Akbar. Nice. Yeah. One Kava. of my uh, right, so. fondest memories is seeing Kava read at the Emily Dickinson house with Christy. We'd only been dating for a while when we did that, but it was beautiful. 
I'm so excited that you're reading from this book. Well, then don't, 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 don't judge my reading versus his reading then. <laughs> All right, but this, it's from the very beginning, right? Okay. <clears throat> Soot. Sometimes God comes to earth disguised as rust, chewing away a chain link fence or a mariner's knife. From up so close, we must seem clumsy and gloomless like new lovers, undressing in front of each other for the first time, regardless of loss, I'm afraid, to keep it in the story. Worried that I might bring back to life like the marble angel who woke to find his innards scattered around his feet. Blood from the belly tastes sweeter than the blood from anywhere else. We know this, but don't know why. The woman on the TV dabs a man's gut wound with her hijab, then draws the cloth to her lips, confused. I keep dreaming I'm a creature, pulling out my claws one by one to sell in a market net stall next to stacks of pomegranates and garden tools. It's predictable, the logic of dreams. Long ago, I lived in heaven because I wanted to. When I fell to earth, I knew the way, through the soot, into the leaves. It still took years. Upon landing, the ground embraced me sadly, with the gentleness of someone delivering tragic news to a child. Ooh. Damn. Yeah. When I when I read um, when I read that first, I just kind of um, that was one of those that made me sit there <laughs> yeah. and, and, and rethink some things. Like, okay, okay, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I want to jump to a different spot in the document based on what you just read, and I want to read this poem, uh, which is called Rock Me Mercy by Yusuf Kamanyaka. Mm. Rock Me Mercy. The river stones are listening because we have something to say. The trees lean closer today. The singing in the electrical woods has gone dumb. It looks like rain because it is too warm to snow. Guardian angels, wherever you're hiding, we know you can't be everywhere at once. Have you corralled all the pretty wild horses? The memory of ants asleep in daylilies, roses, holly, and larkspur? The magpies gaze at us, still waiting. River stones are listening. But all we can say now is, mercy, please, rock me. Okay, I'm going to be a little bit basic because that actually reminds me of, we got to pull it up. Let's see. Basic is not bad. Basic is some <laughs> thing to go back to. <clears throat> so that reminds me of, uh, from a book of hours, you yesterday's boy to whom confusion came. Listen, lest you forget who you are. It was not pleasure you fell into. It was joy. You were called to be bridegroom through the bride coming toward you is your shame. What chose you is the great desire. Now all flesh bears itself to you. On pious images, pale cheeks blush with a strange fire. Your senses uncoil like a snake awakened by the beat of the tambourine. Then suddenly you're left all alone with your body that can't love you and your will that can't save you. By now... Like whispering in the dark streets, rumors of God run through your dark blood. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Uh, this feels like a good moment for one of my favorite poems ever. 
Uh, so I'm going to read it. It's called Memory by Laura Jensen. And I used to have it like memorized, but I'm going to read it because we've had a few too, too, too many of the whispers to rely on the memory at this point. <laughs> reading. Yeah. It was a little <laughs> ironic, but you know. <laughs> memory. The falcon is directed by an arm, flies into the sky, and does not return. The falconer stands astonished, dangling the leather hood. A little wine, some mild laughing, and the king forgets. But the falconer lies in bed, staring at the ceiling or the plate of stars at the bare window. Then, in the dark, there is a sound, and the bird has returned to him, knowing the way by night, flying into the falconer's chamber. Proud as a cat, it drops the prey adept. It looks at the man with one eye, speaks in one of the falcon dialects, unable to express where it has been as it toured the sky. Did it follow above the lake, the village, forest, and mountain? Does it recall? By night, a forgotten name will rise to the unfortunate who stood there silent and foolish by day. The falcon knows the falconer with both its eyes. Like memory, it returned when it was unexpected. Like memory, it is a weight on the arm, missed sorely when it is missing. Damn. Laura Jensen, everybody. Laura Jensen. Tip your servers. Fuck. Give Laura Jensen, you know, all of the poetry cred. I think I'm going to read some Robert Haas. Hey. All right. Okay. I'll pick the one that I've made the most notes on. <laughs> All right. This is Robert Haas. It's from Praise. <clears throat> Sunrise. Ah, love. This is fear. This is fear and syllables and the beginnings of beauty. We have walked the city of flayed animals signifying death, a hybrid god who sings in the desolation of filth and money, a song the heart is heavy to receive. We mourn otherwise. Otherwise, the ranked monochromes, the death teeth of the horizon, survive us as we survive pleasure. What a small hope. What a fierce, small privacy of consolation. What a dazzle of petals for the poor meat. Blind, with eyes like stars, like astral flowers, from the pure blind mating sickness of the beasts, we rise. Trout shaken in the gaping air in terror, the scarlet sun flash leaping from the pond's imagination of a deadly sea. Fish, mole, we are all the small stunned creatures inside these human resurrections. The night, the city praises and defiles. From there, we all walk slowly to the sea, gathering scales from the cowed whisper of the waves, the menstrual polyphony, small stars and blind and the hunger under sun. We turn to each other and turn to each other in the mother air of what we want. That is why blind Orpheus praises love, and why love gouges out our eyes, and why all lovers smell their way to Dover. That is why innocence has so much to account for, why Venus appears least saintly in the attitudes of shame. This is lost children and the deep sweetness of the pulp, the blue thrumming of the formed bone, river, flame, quicksilver. 
It is not the fire we hunger for and not the ash. It is a still hour. A deer comes slowly to the creek at dusk. The table set for abstinence. Windows full of flowers like summer in the provinces vanishing when the moon's half-faced pallor rises on the dark flax line of hills. Dang. <laughs> and so this this little collection um someone had posted just the very beginning of it on twitter hmm. like there's a small very small part of it in the beginning and they just posted that and um then i had to buy the book <laughs> yeah. it's some of the best book yeah. advertising right that's the snippet from the beginning and then right? like, oh shit this is great yeah. like well i'm buying that now yeah, like <laughs> exactly not that i not that i'm bad <laughs> well you made me want to enact a uh, a bob to bob transfer which is now i want to read uh robert duncan um, and I, I must admit, this is not an original. Uh, yes. Do you, you like? Do you know Cody Rose Clevenants? Cody Rose has this amazing mm, podcast no. called Tune Your Ears, which is really just Cody Rose. It's just them reading a poem every week. It's on Spotify. It's called Tune Your Ears, and it's beautiful. And Cody Rose okay. read this poem, um, and I was like, "Wow, I forgot how amazing this poem is." So I'm going to read it now because why the fuck not? Yeah. Um, so thanks, Cody Rose. <laughs> this is My Mother Would Be a Falconress by Robert Duncan. <clears throat> ah. My mother would be a falconress, and I, her gay falcon, treading her wrist, would fly to bring back from the blue of the sky to her bleeding a prize, where I dream in my little hood with my many bells jangling when I'd turn my head. My mother would be a falconress, and she sends me as far as her will goes. She lets me ride to the end of her curb where I fall back in anguish. I dread that she will cast me away, for I fall, I mistake, I fail in her mission. She would bring down the little birds, and I would bring down the little birds. When will she let me bring down the little birds, pierced from their flight with their necks broken, their heads like flowers limp from the stem? I tread my mother's wrist and would draw blood. Behind the little hood, my eyes are hooded. I have gone back into my hooded silence, talking to myself and dropping off to sleep. For she has muffled my dreams in the hood she has made me, sewn round with bells jangling when I move. She rides with her little falcon upon her wrist. She uses a barb that brings me to cower. She sends me abroad to try my wings and I come back to her. I would bring down the little birds to her I may not tear into. I must bring back perfectly. I tear at her wrist with my beak to draw blood, and her eye holds me, anguished, terrifying. She draws a limit to my flight. Never beyond my sight, she says. She trains me to fetch and to limit myself in fetching. She rewards me with meat for my dinner, but I must never eat what she sends me to bring her. Yet it would have been beautiful if she would have carried me always in a little hood with the bells ringing at her wrist and her riding to the great falcon hunt and me flying up to the curb of my heart from her heart to bring down the skylark from the blue to her feet, straining and then released for the flight. My mother would be a falconress and I her gerfalcon raised at her will from her wrist sent flying as if I were her own pride, as if her pride knew no limits, as if her mind sought in me flight beyond the horizon. 
Uh, but high, high in the air I flew, and far, far beyond the curb of her will were the blue hills where the falcons nest. And then I saw west to the dying sun. It seemed my human soul went down in flames. I tore at her wrist at the hold she had for me until the blood ran hot and I heard her cry out far, far beyond the curb of her will to horizons of stars beyond the ringing hills of the world where the falcon's nest I saw and I tore at her wrist with my savage beak. I flew as if sight flew from the anguish in her eye beyond her sight, sent from my striking loose from the cruel strike at her wrist, striking out from the blood to be free of her. My mother would be a falconress, and even now, years after this, when the wounds I left her had surely healed, and the woman is dead, her fierce eyes closed, and if her heart were broken, it is stilled, I would be a falcon and go free. I tread her wrist and wear the hood, talking to myself, and would draw blood. Uh, yeah, that there, Robert Duncan yeah. from Bending the Bow. That book's uh, that's a book worth checking out. That one. Whew. Yeah, god damn. The idea, like in the in the Jensen poem and in uh, that poem, the Falcon is memory and is as like a horizon for everything. Oh. Man, I don't even know what to say. Yep. Poems do it all. They really fucking do. I am like I. So every time I'm able to actually like, there have been some like scheduling flubs here and there. But when I get to record and talk to people and, and share, and it's just I get kind of sappy, and <laughs> I'm just very grateful for poetry on the whole. Like, I I don't know if you've seen on, on Twitter, but every once in a while, I'll post to, like, uh, however many years memory, and it's a some sort of poem that I've yeah. taken a picture of. Right. And, um, and it's, I'm really starting to realize that aside from myself, poetry has been my longest standing relationship, whether I knew it or not. Yeah. It has been there, and I have turned to it over and over again. Only just now I'm doing it, you know, knowing that I'm doing it. Like I'm doing it on purpose now instead of it just being something on the peripheral. And it's um, remarkably humbling in a way (laughs) to realize that it's just always tracked through. It's kind of. That's very beautiful. Yeah. I also get sappy in communal poetry settings, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> right there with you. Oh, uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that one. All right. Sometimes I don't read ones because I am really going to fuck up whatever name or language they have put in something. Like, I can read it just fine, but it's going to come out of my stupid white mouth wrong. Yeah, that happens. Oh, yeah. All right. That's very real. <laughs> Having stupid white mouths is really a limitation on plenty of poets, <laughs> myself included. Like I, I do, I do my due diligence. I do look it up. I do listen to it. Um, it still doesn't come out right. It, I, I have to practice multiple times. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was this one. All right, so the one I'm looking through is What is Otherwise Infinite by Bianca Stone. Nice. I love Bianca Stone. When I edit out the silences, I am definitely keeping some of the page turnings. 
<laughs> of course. It sounds so good. Yeah. It sounds so good over like when I. <laughs> you need that little diegetic sound, you know? It's like ooh. <laughs> the real poets. So impressive. They have it? books that they are turning the page. They're looking at real books. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally don't even have one in arm's width. I just made a Google Doc. How fucked up is that? You know. <laughs> Modern and resourceful, not fucked up. Mm, well, fucked up. Resourceful, but also, yeah, that's the boo. <laughs> that's the cat for boo hiss. Don't let the Google suite take over your poetry life. Although I think cats already have a hiss. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we might get the real hiss. If I was like, I, you know, I made a an NFT of my doc, Basil would hiss at me. I think. <laughs> okay, you got it. it. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. So, again, for my own editing purposes, is this from What is Otherwise Infinite by Bianca Stone? Other wound. The wound is usually someone else's. My love was never enough. I couldn't touch the whole of it. It wasn't a match for that depth. Every daughter has a cage around her head and a mother on the cross. I always hope to take it off and rarely do. Instead, I climb up like a child into the bed. I nail myself beside you. More stigmata poetry. Right. <laughs> hmm. We're hitting a theme. We are. You know, okay. So a little bit off topic, sure. but not really because it's my show. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That is the coolest fucking thing. So doing a longer form like this and where I've kind of gotten into somewhat of a, uh, of an, uh, somewhat of a, uh, schedule sort of thing. Not really, mm. but asking the background and then moving on to how they, how poets and how these other or creatives have been using their creativity throughout their lives, how they interpret it, how they've moved through it, moved with it, etc ends up every show ends up kind of having this theme that's central to the poets themselves i think i think so listening back to it is very interesting because you can hear in how they've approached their creativity and how it shows up in their work and it is so fucking cool that is really beautiful I really like that you're kind of like, there's a, you know, poetics of creativity might sound like a, a tautology, but you're, you're doing that. You're, you're making it, you're like bringing this particular two strands together for many, many poets and seeing how they play out. And like, I think that's really incredible, you know, because poets oh, are so you. different. Thank you. Too. Like that's, that, I think they that's are. the magic. And and I've brought on I've brought on a couple of other types of creatives. Um, right. It. Like, it's just, it's really fucking cool how it all comes together for people. We all use it slightly differently, and it all, it all still works. It's just very, it's fascinating to watch and listen to. And I, uh, I'm, I'm really glad I get to see it. Yeah, that's extremely rad. And just the idea that, like... You know, I think for different people, like it might be the case that it's the first time is like, especially as somebody who like, yeah. 
you know, poetry has sort of lived in this space where it's like you make it for yourself and you are reflective on it, it to a certain degree because you've just been doing it for a while. But at the same time, you don't always get asked questions like, hey, what is creativity? Because sometimes you're like, oh, shit, I don't know. Like, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it. Right, right, but, right. But then it, it opens new pathways for thinking about that. And yeah, it's really that's something special, I think. I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, so I'll be do- like, I, and I don't, um, I take people who want to come on, get to come on. Like, right. <laughs> if I can put it in the schedule and I can make it work, I'm, it's not, there's no hierarchy here at all. It's, yay, thank you for coming on. That's, <laughs> right. if you create, if you create, I mean, it's with a bent towards poetry, of course, because that's what I'm, but, but all, all creatives are welcome. And, uh, yeah, I think the, uh, keeping it very open is also like the best part of, I think the internet for this kind of stuff too. It's like, you know, lit journals that for example, are very kind of almost lo-fi or, or have a lot of just like center. Like I, I like the way, uh, Lee Potts talks about stone circle review, which is a lovely publication. I love Lee. Yeah. And I love that publication, but like Lee very explicitly frames stone circle as like the poem is first, like the design is such that the poem is first on the page. And like, that's what is right. central. And it's like, yeah, you know, when you like, it's, it's so rare to have the the thing or the the act be centralized like usually it's something else or you know some like commodification thereof or something that takes the center stage so to be able to be like no let's oh, yeah. like center this other thing and, and give it its room to breathe that's really cool all right is there anything else that you would like to share or because you should you should share something of your own i think i will if unless you, will. you want me to do that for you which i can no, I, oh shit yeah i would like to if i i am okay 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 i'll take that I'll take it. All I'll right. take that challenge. The gauntlet has been dropped. I am very excited to hear that. <laughs> I gotta find something I think <laughs> is good enough to read. All right. Okay. That's fair. You know, that's that's also very hard. So I feel <laughs> yeah. Hey, where do you write most of your stuff, like digitally? Just 100%. as I'm looking up my bullshit. Hundred percent on the phone app, on the uh, the notes app. Like this, yeah. you know. I, I sometimes will do other things, um, but it mostly happens there just because of expediency. And I think there's like interesting limitations to that, but at the same time, I've never been able to break the habit. Like I don't, I've never like physically carried around a notebook and a writing implement enough. I tried that for a little while, but I just like wasn't sustainably doing it. So I was like, you know what? The phone app is in, in the internal rhythm. So it will r- rule the day, you know? I. I had to convince myself to not bring a notebook everywhere because <laughs> mm. it's not practical um, unless I'm at home. At home, you there's always that. at least uh, – right. I did. Yeah. <laughs> right. I absolutely did. Eh, all right. I'll read something from the from the maybe or maybe not chat book. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. All right. So the chat book, if it ever, if, if it does happen, if it does happen, it's, uh, I wanted it to be called, um, Yellow Rose Effigy. Uh, I just lost it. Where'd you go? Come back, Slewfoot. This is what happens when you back out of what you were looking at. Too real. Also a digital composition problem par excellence. <sighs> yes. I hit the back button and now there, all my Slewfoot. shit is fucked. All right. 
I'm excited. Yep. Okay. All right. You first or me first? No, I read last. You, you first. You no, you your first. Turn. Please. Your turn. No. No, it's your turn. Just... No, you're the guest. You're my guest. No, but I, I want to be. So, I want to be obnoxious after you, if that's okay. <laughs> it would be very. It would feel <laughs> all better. Right, for all me. right. All right. Thank you. All right. Taking the bullet for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. So this is called slew footed. What good to me are the slurrings of a dead heroic, self-possessed by desire of a woman? Swinging drunken on her braids and dark eyes like bread. Give me the arm of the hobbled lover getting to their feet. Slewfoot and I share more than the sum, but also the parts. Strung together by communal needle, if irregular and awkwardly spaced. Netted from the same sea. More than the sum, but also the parts. All right. Thank you for sharing OG stuff. I appreciate you doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're welcome. I wanted you to go first in part because uh, I wanted to share something <laughs> that's from a longer thing. Um, it won't be the whole thing. by all Oh, means. yes. But uh, I have this long poem called uh, A Letter from the Mountain that's going to come out at some point from uh, Metatron Press, like their Glaphoria thing that they're doing, which Aww. is really, really cool. Um, I won't read the whole thing. Cool. The whole thing runs to like 33 pages, but I'd love to read just the beginning of it, um, which could be interesting. Yes, please. I've never read it out loud, so we'll see how it goes. Um, all right. So I'm going to, uh, I'll read this beginning. This is just the first couple parts. Um, it's a poem called A Letter from the Mountain, and it starts with an epigraph from Wallace Stevens that said, he looked in a glass of the earth and thought he lived in it. So this is the beginning of part one. My first thought was I'd write down every bird who came through here without an injury or other stated reason not to stop a winter's feeling sorry for oneself flowered into singing by the spring. If a painter, cloven to ideas instead of color, wrote out detailed names for all her sketches, you'd probably see that work as separate from the main thing canvases on which a razor taught regret to oil. As borer bees eventually destroy the barns or buildings they maneuver through en route to copulation or to death or both, I hope you can forgive me for the wet eyes and shaky hands I brought to our life, which would or could have been so much easier if I'd made choices or money differently or more often. Every fall has started owing summer time and a half for covering September. The pond is low and leafless into October. Some years you can still see Halloween koi. This great American inventor I know, he works at the local hardware store and is surrounded all day by broken lamps. It's 50 cents for a really small fuse, 5 amps, 120 volts. Though like most things you can still get for short money, I harbor doubt it's all you'll need to fix the light you brought in, hoping for a miracle. The painter Agnes Martin was her own most difficult critic, cutting painting after painting up or having someone else cut them up for her if they didn't succeed in expressing innocence, her word. Like William Blake karaoke, half of how the most of us have deigned to live. Although, hold on, it's not like I mean to say there's anything wrong with that vision, that hope for one's body of work. I just already have this big bouquet of wrongs I've foisted from the earth and watered well, a whole entire herald orchid room with more rope than any flower could need. But sun comes, 
and with it an improvised greeting we should have practiced beforehand, like our signatures in limited space or a play with more than one speaking role. The gradient of soil from clay to black at first may seem like not the most thrilling spectrum, from reddish-brown to the total of all colors, or is it pure absence of color? But when it is the difference between a fresh-dug pond filling up with actual water or not, suddenly it starts to make sense of how people care about the tiniest variations between things, the clarinets entering a few thousandths of a second later becoming synonymous with ruin or innovation. The maple tree has a winged fruit called a Samara, which I didn't know, but of course once I saw one online I knew the fruit behind the name. A whirly bird. One down, a multitude to go. Do you think Spinoza ever used a lens to look directly into the sun? Before it was known exactly what that does to you? I say before, like it wasn't known the sun can hurt your eyes, clown emoji, but there's something to be said for how the ways we know we harm ourselves have increased manifold. Dandelions by chances strewn and further chances set in soil rich with N and K and low in P with poor decay of organic matter. A frog jumps straight into the pond as I approach. I hear Yahya Hassan, quote, criminals can harbor literary qualities, end quote, as the frog steals underneath the ripples. My prolonged study of frogs is out of hope I'll learn from them just how to make a life defined by a surface be unafraid to breathe on either side. At the very longest last, we have reached the 86th line. 1986, the year on the plurality of worlds appears. Ashbury's a winding staircase with greenish light, perhaps incredulous too, I don't know. I always reach for books when I'm afraid of saying something true. Like, I will probably not be enough in the black to cover our local tax bills this year. Our household monthly budget feels a bit like the flat penny Godspeed You Black Emperor included in some F-sharp, A-sharp infinity pressing squashed on a railroad track in Canada somewhere. The penny, not the record. I'm a life insurance proof of concept walking around in my tragedy clothes. It's spring and the grass is already long enough to start poking up through the stone in a few spots. Small green Excaliburs. I think you need to know there is a thing I hope I think I hope I'm building you toward, but it's not a sword or even like one. A gun's a decent guess for what you hear a shoebill doing with its beak, with which it also eats. The Orchid King, Henry Frederick Conrad Sander, had a son-in-law called Henry Moon. They did a big book together, but it was a terrible process because Henry the Elder was a businessman and Henry the Younger was a, quote, strong-willed artist, end quote, Wikipedia, who painted orchids till the day he died at 48. He framed his work himself, a European house wren building nest after blank nest to cradle the future. Do you think you have already suffered the worst pain you will know in your life, or is it yet to come? What part of the great tide of despair are you riding, the ebb or the flow? Cattle, naked mole rats, laugh at our fragility. The Amazon is at a breaking point or past it, tweet number 913 of my day declares, and in reply, I post a poem by Lynn Hedginian about angels. The American criterion for truth is pragmatisms. A thing is true if it is useful, if it works. My best friend Scott's disability checks from the army take forever to get approved to start arriving, and the first one with back pay gets sent to an account number that doesn't exist. They tell him not to worry. In a drought summer, the river gets low, too rocky to safely canoe. 
The first time I said I love you to you was in French, after not sure how many drinks, and my cheeks were on fire with the word love, two Mark Twain tomatoes trespassing on the Cherokee purple vine my heart clung to as it grew out toward you and sky. I'll stop there. Thanks for permitting that long ass story. <laughs> That's the beginning. Permitting, permitting, he says. Thank you. And thank that you. That was great. Tom, thank you. If I hit my fucking mic again, everybody's <laughs> going to love that sound. You're, thank you. God, thank you. This is really a pleasure. I'm so grateful to have been on and to have this long form. It's it's really a gorgeous thing. I'm going to be a good host and just say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tom, thank you for thank you for coming on. Um, it, I love how much you want to put out more new voices. It's um, it's really admirable. Thank you. I'm I'm hoping any any small step in that direction is a good step. So I'm glad to hear it's coming through. And uh, agreed. Yeah, I, I I'm just looking forward to your seance and and what you'll capture. <laughs> I know, me too. Uh, all right, so for everyone else, again, where can they find you? What, et cetera, et cetera. All your socials. I'll link it, of course, but you know. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, Tom Snarsky at T O M S N A R S K Y on most uh, Twittery, Instagrammy, and Blue Sky y places. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's really the best way. So I hope that you'll uh, run into me. And if you want to read poems for a nightlight, you'll send me a DM somewhere through the internet, and it will happen. We'll be happy to have you. Did that just cut off? Yes, it did. Do you want to know what happened to the audio? No, I do not. I'm good at this. <laughs> Cheers, y'all. <laughs>